The hour to which the podcast adjourned having arrived, the podcast is now in order. Let's gavel in for this week's State House Takeout with the reporters on top of Beacon Hill at the State House News Service. Here's Sam Doran. So I've been up on Beacon Hill for six years now, and some of our listeners have been around the State House far longer. We've touched on this so many times over the last year. It is just so radically different to not have the hallways crowded with people to talk to, to not sit in a packed committee hearing, to not walk over to filibuster and see a million faces that you know along the way. But it occurred to us, it must be even more bizarre to be a new lawmaker just starting out as a member of the House or Senate during these strange COVID times. So on today's State House Takeout, we're excited to hear from two new legislators, Senator Adam Gomez, a Springfield Democrat, one of two Springfield City Councilors who joined the legislature this month, coming up to Beacon Hill, and Representative Meg Kilcoyne, a Northborough Democrat who has some experience in the State House. She previously worked for Chairman Hank Naughton before winning his seat in last fall's election. Hi, folks. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And here to do the uh, interview today on the State House Takeout is Chris Van Buskirk of the State House News Service, who became a part-time member of the News Service staff this year during these strange COVID times. So in some ways, uh, Chris, as a reporter or a member of the Press Association here at the State House, you're in kind of the same boat where you're trying to get used to the State House, used to Beacon Hill, um, just as the hallways all empty out for COVID-19. So thanks very much for joining us, folks. And uh, Chris, take it away. Hey, Sam, thanks. And yeah, it's been uh, it's been pretty weird also kind of starting up here uh, during COVID times. The halls are empty and there's not a lot going on in the building. But Senator Representative, thank you for joining us today. Um, so obvious point, but COVID has drastically impacted pretty much every facet of life from going out to dinner to heading into the office. Most of us are regulated to conducting business from home like we're, most of us are doing right now. The pandemic has not left the legislature unscathed as many of the functions of the House and Senate have also been pushed into the virtual realm. And like said, Sam, Sam said, I've only been up here for about a year, so many of my memories are of COVID era. So to get us started, I'm curious to know when each of you first thought about running for the House and Senate, and what were you looking forward to most upon joining the legislature? Representative, why don't we start with you? Sure. Um, you know, it's hard to pinpoint that exactly. Um, as Sam mentioned, I had started my career in politics working at the State House. Um, I worked for 10 years for Chairman Hank Naughton um, when he chaired public safety. Um, and I got to, and I started off kind of as an intern way back in the day. So I, I sort of got to experience a lot of different uh, aspects of this job and this work. Um, and, uh, you know, for me, it, for a very long time, I, I really, I loved working on policy. I loved seeing how my work as an aide actually contributed to, you know, communities that I lived and where I grew up. And, and that was really rewarding work, but I never really envisioned myself putting my name out there really um, probably until maybe four or five years ago. I, you know, I, I started thinking more about um, what it would mean for to put my own name out there. Um, you know, one thing that's been talked about a lot with my race and several other women that ran first um, for the house this year is that, uh, you know, here in the state house, here in Massachusetts in the legislature, 
we've never really had um, equitable representation when it comes to women in, in the house. Um, and even now, um, you know, we still don't quite make 50, 50, you know, equal like representation of the populations right. here in the state. Um, and there was a lot, and I actually didn't realize this until I won and, and um, that with this incoming class, we're going to see the most women ever in the house. Um, and so, you know, for years in the building, I obviously observed those dynamics and, and it was, you know, incredible seeing the work that women have done over the years, um, succeeding in both, you know, making policy and, and representing their communities in, in such a strong way, given that, you know, they make up a sizable minority. Um, and I think, you know, for me, I always believe that we make the best policy if we're, you know, actually representing what the population is in the state. And I always thought it was important to have more women in, in government. And so finally, kind of, I thought, I, I started thinking, you know, I can't tell other women they should run if I'm not willing to put my own name out there. And so, you know, it's even then, you know, it's still something that I sort of thought about, but it never really was anything that I didn't know when the opportunity would come. Um, and I was really happy in the role I was doing and the work I was doing working in public safety, you know, we got to work on a lot of really serious issues. Um, so I got to work with different stakeholders and different legislators, but, um, you know, let's flash forward to the pandemic. Um, when Representative Naughton decided not to seek reelection, I realized that this was the opportunity. If I ever wanted to take it, I should. And I had spent 10 years serving, uh, you know, the communities in the 12th Worcester district. Um, my family has lived there for generations. Um, and the work I had done in my career was about that community. Um, and, and then coupling that with the work that I got to work, uh, that, with the work and policy that I did that had a statewide impact, I really, I knew that I could offer these, the people of my district, of the constituents of my district, somebody that could get results and that I knew how to do that work. And I was so grateful that when I decided to run Representative Naughton was uh, so supportive um, had total confidence and faith in me um, because one thing that was intimidating when, you know, when I ever always envisioned running for office, I never really considered that it would be during a pandemic where so much of what we typically would see in campaigning and politics was kind of, uh, you know, put to the side just for safety. So um, it, it, def it definitely was a little scary kind of launching a race. I'd actually didn't announce until April when we were really in the thick of it. But, um, you know, my team was was amazing and dedicated and, and people, you know, I'm so grateful for the, the support that people showed me. And we managed to figure out a way to campaign and get our message out there effectively despite the pandemic. But um, yeah, it, it's so it's been a journey, to say the right. least. <laughs> right. Senator, how about yourself? When did you first think about running uh, for a Senate seat? Um, I honestly didn't ever really think about running for Senate kind of towards the beginning. Um, I ran for my neighborhood board in about 2013, 14. There was just some issues that were going on in my neighborhood that I thought that needed to change because uh, here in Springfield we have neighborhood boards uh, outside of you know uh, ward representation and you know at large seats so I served 18 18 months 18 years <laughs> uh, I'm not that old so uh, I served about 18 months on my neighborhood board and there was some other issues uh, I wanted to hold accountable my city councilor I ran against an incumbent 
uh, we were victorious in that race. Uh, I became part of a grassroots organization that I love dearly and I wholeheartedly uh, exemplifies my like morals and values called Neighbor to Neighbor. It's a statewide organization. You know, I, I was born and raised in the, the poorest district in Massachusetts. My family came here in the 1950s or I was, yeah, about the 1950s to work here on, um, in the Connecticut River Valley on the, uh, on the different, uh, uh, the different uh, farms. And, um, you know, my grandfather, uh, he ended up retiring from working on the farms uh, with tobacco. And then my family, you know, is an army family. We've always gave, uh, you know, serious consideration on serving, always were involved in, you know, kind uh, of every modern day uh, conflict. Uh, my father was a Vietnam veteran, my mother's a veteran, my brother and my nephew are, are combat veterans. And myself, you know, we, we've always worked in the nonprofit world. So, you know, me running for city council was kind of like a big thing, right? And me winning was a great thing, obviously. And then I think two terms into it, um, I took a I took a look at, uh, you know, the seat, um, you know, obviously I have tons of respect for my predecessor and he has been kind of was in office for the last 10 years when it came to this specific seat to him in the district. So I kind of knew that he was on his last leg that he was looking into retiring. So instead of me waiting uh, for, you know, kind of his retirement, kind of uh, I, I wanted to take a chance because there was a lot of pro progressive ideas and morals that, uh, things that I would have stood on that he necessarily uh, didn't vote for or wasn't, you know, uh, aligned with in, in, in my political ideology. So we took a chance uh, and we ran a, a really grassroots comprehensive campaign that involved a lot of door knocking, a lot of uh, individuals uh, on the ground that, you know, and then we got hit with the camp with, with COVID, right? And luckily before it got into the, to the issues of, you know, not having enough signatures and, you know, the legislature had to cut them in half. I already had my signatures because once the, the paperwork was available, I got them the first day. We got the signatures within a week. Um, we really were, um, my, our eyes were focused on, you know, uh, running a really great campaign. Uh, win, lose, or draw. It was about creating difference here in the, in the Hamden County. And um, from there, uh, after, I guess, during the pandemic and, and keeping uh, as far as possible, you know, you know, veterans issues, housing issues, public safety issues, uh, the different reforms, you know, um, those are the things that I can say that I have a super lived experience with. And, and, and I supported early on, you know, uh, uh, I, I filed a resolution when it came to mail-in mail mail voting. So, for, for, for the most part, you know, this, this seat has always been cut for a person of color to be able to sit here, but, you know, it has a really uh, a, a great uh, community out of West Springfield and out of Chicopee. So, you know, getting into those other cities, obviously, I served in the city of Springfield. This is my third term as a city councilor. I honestly, I don't know. Sometimes it, people strategize how they get someplace and they work hard at it. I know that I just work hard when it comes to people. And I think that resonated to uh, the ground. And for the first time ever, you know, a person of color is able to, to be elected to this Senate seat. And, you know, me being the first Puerto Rican ever elected in, in state history, you know, it, it really uh, is really humbling. And I'm, I'm really uh, excited about that because if my grandparents were alive, I could just say, hey, you know, those, those hard, uh, hard, 
hard 20 years that you put out there on that tobacco field really uh, played into played into who I am today as a as an advocate for immigrants and advocate for you know people of color businesses and all of the residents of Massachusetts I really got a mm-hmm. unique story you know but honestly it was it's a, like it surprised everybody else honestly we just did it to hold people accountable to make sure that you know we have a voice and honestly when people count you out uh, the, the real people, the people know your heart count you in. Right. And I guess I should have said this at the top of the show, but I guess congratulations to both of you for, for winning your respective seats. Thank um, you. Thank you. <laughs> Senator, you were kind of getting... <laughs> Senator, you're kind of getting to my next question. Uh, Many politicians at the national and state level have noted the challenges of campaigning during the pandemic. Um, I think we saw some of that during the marquee uh, Kennedy race. Um, I'm wondering with with door-to-door interactions and larger events kind of out of the window, what were the most difficult challenges each of you had to overcome when campaigning? How did you manage to meet with potential voters and get across your message? Uh, Senator, why don't we go back to you? Uh, the good thing is that I guess that was like kind of my repertoire, like that little marketing background. I had my small business and uh, I started a little company. I used to promote when I was younger, like in college and into, uh, you know, used to do the music stuff. So I had kind of like a social media presence at first and writing press releases and, you know, using radio, using those different platforms to my ability, jumping on different platforms, regardless of what was the vibe. It was, it, I really had to go unorthodox and, just whatever opportunity I can, I can get to like speak to people, I took. But then on top of it, instead of really doing some aggressive door, door, uh, door knocking or people calling canvassing, what we did was a lot of phone banking, right? And a lot of text messages. Like technology was really on our side when it comes to this uh, millennial generation of, of uh, politics, right? And, you know, for the most part, myself, I've been traditionally a person, regardless, campaign year or not. I'm traditionally on the doors. Uh, I've been, I've done it for like a decade. Uh, let it be an issue, a question, uh, electoral, or just checking up on people. Um, so I guess doing the the mail drops because sometimes you know I, I I like to say that I ran a, a poor man's campaign or a poor person's campaign. Uh, it was hard even to raise money. So how do you ask people, right? Some of your constituents that are struggling at the most vulnerable time. Hey, I need ten dollars. Hey, I need fifteen dollars, or I need twenty dollars. It seemed impossible and it seemed out of touch to ask constituents for money, even though in, in these campaigns, you do need a lot, of, uh, a lot of revenue to be able to you know, run against an incumbent like I did. But for the most part, we, um, we traditionally just use the phone, check up on people, um, use email blasts. At the same time, we were doing mail drops, right? We would hit the community instead of uh, canvassing and actually traditionally door knocking, we would leave a piece of information at the door and then the next strategy after that was specific to the actual district we were in. We would phone bank them and say, hey, listen, we couldn't necessarily knock on your door, but we left a little piece of literature. We wanted to get to know you and talk to you and then invite them for, you know, uh, different um, events via Zoom and trying to, like, move uh, instead of, you know, out into the parks or out into events, into more of this, uh, what we are, have learned has been the new normal, which is right. Uh, the platforms of zoom and stuff like that but it was definitely it was it was definitely a challenge but we uh, obviously can tell that we were victorious on that part i can imagine representative how about yourself yeah i mean not much different than the senator's experience i think he really hit the nail on the head with uh, 
how different this campaign cycle looked. I think though, I, you know, we managed to do um, a little bit of, of no contact canvassing, um, not really traditional how you would always door knock, but I mean, it, it, it was a very odd time. And, and so we were always very careful to make sure that we were always safe. You know, I was always wearing a face mask and, and it was help. It was actually very beneficial in the summer when a lot of people were outside. So you know, whenever you would come around with your literature and you see somebody mowing their lawn and can kind of wave and have actually pretty good conversations, even if you're 10, 15 feet apart. Um, and I think it was just about being really respectful of people's comfort level and, and whether or not they felt safe. I managed, I know I one time like had a really great conversation with um, a constituent through a window um, and one time through a closed door and they just saw me coming and wanted to know who I was and was able to kind of talk about introduce myself and let them know who I was and why I was running and hear from them what was important to them as well I mean I think that like the senator was saying you know we're, we were lo- it's hard when you you don't get to have an interaction because sometimes even when you start off a campaign you learn so much from talking to people and what it is they care about and and with COVID that sort of became obviously the primary concern but learning about how it's impacting each of my communities was really important so while we did, we were fortunate that we were able to, to kind of figure out a way to talk to people in person in a safe way. You know, we still had to supplement a lot, like the senator said, with social media, with digital media, um, making sure we were creative, lots of phone banking. So, you know, at least getting, making sure that you were making every effort to talk to somebody. And then I think, you know, with with um, mail-in voting too, I mean, the, the, the issue we had is is we knew it was going to be a huge turnout this year, uh, which it was. And so it's sometimes impossible to t- talk to everybody. You know, you don't know how you're ever going to reach somebody. So I, we made sure, or I made sure everything that, you know, we put out was was really sending the right message that I wanted the people of, of the, my district to hear. Um, and in each community felt like they knew what I had done how I knew them and how I wanted to, to work to, to make our community stronger going forward. Um, so it was certainly different than any campaign I'd volunteered or worked on before, but um, I'm really proud of the way that, you know, we managed to figure out a way to do it um, despite the limitations that we, we had. Right. And then, you know, both of you won your respective campaigns. You're looking forward to coming to the state house. Um, I, I suppose the big first event on each of your minds might've been the swearing in ceremony and uh, both the house and the Senate took hybrid approaches to it. Some people in the chamber, mostly the new lawmakers while others were taking place virtually. Um, and, and as I understand it, both of you attended uh, your respective swearing in ceremonies per, uh, in person. Yes. I attended mine outside and I think the rep attended hers inside of the, the chamber. Right. Correct. What, what was that like? I mean, uh, Senator, the you were outside in Ashburton. <laughs> it was a cold day. At least the sun was shining a bit. Um, you know, t- tell me a bit about your experience. My experience was actually kind of a, I think a big circle. Um, when I used to, you know, in my advocacy days and organizing, you know, on criminal justice reform, that actual circle where I was sworn in, was kind of a place where me and my comrades would come together after, you know, uh, haggling all of the reps of the senators in their offices behind the bill and we'll debrief there, would sit around there. And, so it was, and, you know, being able, obviously it was freezing. And during that time, you know, there was protests during my, uh, that I was obviously you can visually see during my ceremony um, when it came to, you know, the different issues that, that, that transpired on January 6th. 
But um, it was it was one bittersweet because uh, I had a friend of mine that was actually really intricate in my campaign uh, early on in onset, believed in me, and that was Jafet Robles. And, you know, I looked up and I just thanked him for everything he, he did for me and believing in me first before I believed in myself and my community. And, and then from there, we was just really thankful because I was obviously, a lot of people didn't get to bring their family. But since there was only only like two senators that were incoming through the Senate, they allowed me to bring my kids and my family and my partner. So mom, dad, my brother, and my three kids were there. So outside of uh, the protest and, and my kids, it was definitely a great experience other than um, it was uh, it was very cold. <laughs> right. And uh, Representative, you know, I've, I've covered many of the House sessions since since we've gone virtual. Big empty chamber. What was it like? You know, it was... I think it was such a, a whirlwind because it was, you know, we didn't exactly know for a while what it was going to look like. Um, and, you know, a lot of credit to Speaker Mariano and his team for figuring out pretty quickly how they were going to pull it off. I know I was really grateful because I think, you know, it's important. It was important for us to have that moment in the chamber because it had been, you know, it's so much work and it's, it's such a long time. And sometimes it's hard to really visualize what it actually meant. And I know, for me, you know, I've spent 10 years in the building. So I've been around this world. I've been around um, this, this place. I know for some of my classmates, it was their first time in the state house. And, you know, they were, they were sort of feeling that emotion and I, I hadn't felt it yet because for me, I had always walked those halls. And then when, but then when I walked into the chamber, I had been in the chamber a couple of times as staff. And when you're staff, you don't really, you're not really allowed there to speak. You're, you're only allowed on the side. You're not allowed to walk on the floor. And so when I stepped in there and uh, the court officer said, court officer said, hello, representative, it, it really hit me. And I almost get emotional talking about it because it, it, you know, when I started in that building, I, I never would have envisioned that moment ever you know, when you're young, you don't know what kind of value or worth you're going to bring to the world. And at the time I was 22, 23 years old. And I thought, you know, I didn't know what difference I could make. And I never would have seen that happening. I never would have envisioned seeing my name up there. And um, yeah, it was just, it was really, it was really an amazing moment because it was just a fulfillment of, you know, knowing that I had done it, that, you know, I, I, I never would have thought I had the guts to do it. And I did, and I still do. And um, it was humbling to know, you know, why I was there too, and to do, to make a difference in that these people believe that I can, and just being even more, uh, I think, ready to, to try to do whatever you can to get people through this pandemic and, and to hopefully have some sort of positive impact. And, and it was very, hard not having my family there. Um, I brought little mementos that I put in my pocket. So they were, you know, little pictures of them. So they were sort of there with me in spirit. Um, and they did try to, they were able to watch on the stream. So it was that, although I think it was a little bit of a interesting um, with the remotes firing and going on at the same time, it was a bit of an interesting watch, I think remotely, but I, I'm just grateful that we got to experience that um, because I think, you know, it was, it was, it's a ceremony and, and, you know, I'm glad that the other representatives were willing to, to maybe do it virtually, but for us having, having that moment really, I think was a great way to, to begin this journey and this challenge that we all have. And um, I'm just, 
I'm really excited and hopeful that we'll all be able to be back in the building again and all be able to see each other face to face. But, you know, we'll figure it out until then. And, and I'm just glad that I got to see this. It's such a historic building and, and such a it, it meant a lot to me. So I'm just I'm very grateful for that. And, and yeah, it was it was a good day. Right. What was until I found, I mean, uh, caveat, it was a great day until I figured out that what was the tragedy of the Capitol and, and all of that as well. We were not aware of that until after our ceremony ended. Right. That's a good point. You know, that was January 6th. And at the same time, there was what was going on in Washington. Um, so I, I'm curious, what was what has the orientation process been like? You know, normally there's a big orientation event for new lawmakers. It's out at UMass Amherst at that campus um, before session starts. Uh, that was moved online this year. I, I'm, I'm curious, I believe, I'm curious what you learned and if there's any chief takeaways from, uh, from that event. Uh, Representative, why don't we start with you? Yeah, I mean, I think we... We have not had really the traditional orientation. Um, it's There's been a lot of obviously transition in the house and, and figuring out how to do everything remotely and with session kind of ending the day before we were sworn in. We've, um, you know, there's a lot going on. So we actually have had a few Zoom introductory calls um, and just, you know, trying to best get us this information um, as, as best as possible, um, despite, you know, being remote. Um, you know, I, I do have, I, I am very fortunate to have some building experience. Um, so I've been able to sort of lean on that to kind of know what, what's going on. And, and, you know, obviously I've been trying to make sure if, you know, anyone has questions, you know, we try to make sure that they can use me as a resource if necessary. And, and, you know, we've, we've uh, talked to classmates as well and sort of, you know, questions on, you know, did you see this? Did you see that? So it's, we're sort of trying to form a little bit of a community despite not having the ability to see each other in person. Um, so, you know, with technology, we've, we've been trying to kind of have meetups with Zoom, uh, meet, you know, both classmates and other legislators. Um, and I do want to, you know, give a credit to a lot of the veteran lawmakers on there. So many of them have been so gracious with their time um, and just to, you know, be willing to talk to me and other uh, new reps about the building of like what to expect or their policy uh, areas and just trying to help us kind of figure out as this goes. Um, you know, I think it has been helpful that some of the deadlines have been pushed back a little bit. So, you know, we have a little bit more breathing room to really kind of sort out and organize the legislation we want to file and, and get all, uh, you know, all of our uh, things ready and prepared to go. Um, so, you know, we, we, it would have been kind of, it would have been nice, obviously, to have a more traditional orientation, but it's, it's coming together. It's just, you know, it's, it's a difficult time. It's, uh, everything's virtual and the house, there's a lot of important work the house has to do. And, and they're trying to make sure that we're as informed as we can be under the circumstances. Senator. Uh, I would just say that she, uh, the rep has obviously orated the same kind of, uh, you know, the struggles of obviously not being able to be in the building, but the orientation process for the most part has been just virtual. Um, we've been just hanging in there and taking whatever we can, uh, you know, like with a grain of salt. Uh, honestly, we're just trying to just push forward. Um, the actual session, like she stated, was, um, you know, just ended the day before. So for the most part, you know, I've spent my days a lot at UMass Amherst. So, you know, obviously I've done my own, my own share of uh, <laughs> moving around on our campus. But 
I would have loved to have been able to fellowship with the other legislators, the freshman class, like usually some, um, you know, some of those classes I've been able to do. But for the most part, like we've tried uh, to, you know, we've found ourselves on different Zooms collectively together and we kind of know who's who, but we don't know who they are <laughs> personally. But essentially, um, you know, uh, for the most part, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a different time. And honestly, you know, we're going to take it for what it's what it's worth. And hopefully, you know, in these next couple of months, we'll be able to come together and really uh, get to know each other and, you know, work for the residents of, of Massachusetts. Right. And, and, and one of the ways that COVID has changed the way the legislature operates is, is there's less of those primarily face-to-face -face interactions when, you know, negotiating a bill or dealing with priorities. You know, now most things, like you said, Senator, have to be conducted remotely. I know at one point during the past session, uh, at least the House was doing 348 Zooms. So I, I'm curious as, as first year lawmakers, you know, how has the, the remote nature impacted your ability to meet your colleagues and to also start to think about uh, crafting legislation and pushing forward uh, priorities? Uh, Representative, why don't we start with you again? Yeah, I mean, kind of similar to, to how we described orientation everything's virtual. So I think, you know, we don't have the benefit or luxury of all being in the same place at once. So we're not going to get those, you know, quick conversations in the hallway or, you know, being able, traditionally, if this were a, a normal year, freshman house members would be what's in what's called the bullpen, which is a space where all the freshman reps would go with their respective aides and sort of have these little makeshift offices um, until you get an office assigned. Um, and that, traditionally has been kind of known as, you know, advocates and organizations could kind of go to the bullpen and, and meet a lot of the new lawmakers and talk about, uh, you know, or uh, uh, policy and legislation that we might not be familiar with. So, so we don't have any of that. So I think the way we've been, or at least I've been, and I think I speak, I, I'm not, I don't want to speak for my other classmates, but I just, given my own experience, you, we've just had to be proactive. So, you know, if, if there's a policy area that we might, I might be interested in, um, you know, I've been trying to, to be proactive about reaching out to a legislator that I know worked on that and asking questions or reaching out to an organization and, um, you know, making sure they know, you know, I want to be supportive. Um, I think we'll start to see a lot more of that, or at least I know I will in the next couple of weeks. Um, I know for me, having done this work before, um, you know, I know for me, it's a priority to make sure that we, my, my local communities are taken care of. Uh, there is a few local pieces that I don't think quite made it over the finish line. Um, so, you know, working with my Senate delegation and colleagues to make sure that, you know, we get all of those things organized and ready to go and, and uh, you know, exploring other opportunities to file legislation and then go into co-sponsorships where there's, you know, that's even, um, a bigger opportunity to make sure that you're uh, able to find ways to support a whole, you know, d dozens, maybe, I mean, you can sign on to as many pieces as, as you can. And, and so for me, I, I think that, you know, as a one individual house member, you can't know everything, but um, making sure that you are working with those who do know uh, what they're talking about and, and people that are experts and have experience in this work and, uh, you know, taking cues from them uh, and from their leadership and making sure that, you're using this time to be as effective as you can in, in pushing policy forward. So um, 
I think that, um, like I kind of alluded to earlier, so many veteran lawmakers uh, and House members have been incredibly gracious with their time and willing to take time out of their busy schedules to talk to me and other new legislators about what they've been working on. And, and that's so incredibly helpful. And, um, you know, I, like I said, it would be great that if we could be all in the building together, but we've been finding ways around it and just, you know, making do with what we have, uh, which is virtual. So it's, it's a whole new, it's a whole new learning experience for sure. But uh, I think we're trying to make the best of it. Senator. No, my, uh, my experience uh, thus far um, has been one that I already have relationships uh, with my, I guess, delegation here from Western Mass. And um, I have also rest, uh, relationships with different senators uh, and also house members you know, through, through my work past the year. So uh, there wasn't like a great turnover. So walking in on, you know, let it be refiles or other uh, House members reaching out to find a partner in the Senate um, has been fairly easy. Uh, one thing that I have been blessed with is honestly uh, a staff that my senior staff has been in the building for the last five years, has worked on the House side and now um, has uh, spent some time on the Senate side. So I have a great chief of staff, a great legislative director that have the relationships that um, with other uh, folks in the building. But honestly, I was really ushered in with great help from um, Senate President Spilka and also, you know, relationships with Senator Duchenne Diaz, Paul Feeney, um, Jamie Eldridge, uh, more importantly, um, Eric Lesser. And um, I was really welcomed in by, you know, Senator Boncori, and, you know, Senator Roush, and, you know, it's been really, uh, uh, since, uh, since my, uh, my, I guess my Democratic uh, nomination, uh, I've been in contact with a lot of the senators, and as funny as it may be, but most of my, uh, I would say, allies and friends that I've worked uh, in, the, in the house with, or one of my mentors early on as a young kid, so now was obviously the, the chair of the Black Latino Caucus, Carlos Gonzalez, which um, that is, uh, I would say that's my main man. That's my, that's like a, br a big brother to me. But for the most part, um, you know, coming in with my colleague, Orlando Ramos, and this cast of, uh, of freshmen, I think that, you know, uh, this is going to be one guess we're probably going to be considered the, the COVID class, but this class is definitely going to come through like a sledgehammer. It's really going to be learning stuff. We have uh, great leadership right now um, for the most part, but, you know, uh, as for me, I have probably, you know, 15 different pieces of, of, of uh, language that's on my desk that we're going to sift through. Uh, we were very, very graciously and thankful for the leadership for uh, um, working it out uh, with uh, the speaker and the Senate president giving us three extra weeks to be able to file legislation. So it, honestly, I've been meeting even different House reps that I don't know that thought that I would be interested in different, um, different pieces of legislation. So it, it, I've been, it's been, it's hard not to be in the building, but it's, we're making do with what we have. So right. I'm, I'm really thankful for that. Right. And then uh, as we run out of time here, just a, a final question. Uh, any hopes for your committee assignments as, as the speaker's office or Senate president's office reach out to you about what your preferences might be, uh, representative? Um, um, well, you know, I think where I, as new lawmakers, um, I think just the opportunity to sit on any committee is going to be incredibly uh, 
uh, interesting. I don't really want to, you know, put all my eggs in one basket on any particular committee because, uh, you know, there's a lot of House members and only so many committees to go around. Um, I, I am excited, though, um, you know, for a long time, I've worked on uh, the Public Safety Committee, so very familiar with a lot of issues, um, very fascinating policy stuff. Um, one thing that, though, excites me about uh, being a representative is, you know, as a new lawmaker, you get to serve on several committees. So I'm really excited for the opportunity just to, you know, go where the speaker thinks that I might be best suited um, and hopefully work on issues that are going to impact both my community in the 12th Worcester District and, uh, you know, important issues across the state and learn just, you know, just by being on a committee, you learn so much. You hear from so many different stakeholders, so many different individuals. And so no matter where I end up, I'm just excited for the opportunity both to learn um, just about new policy areas, um, learn from some of the, you know, the, the leaders on each of the committees and the chairs and uh, just really get to sink my teeth into it. It's an exciting time. So like I said, you know, as a freshman lawmaker, um, there's, I really don't know where I'll end up, um, but, uh, you know, I'll be sure to, you know, I have thoughts on it that I will convey to leadership, but um, we'll see where, we'll see what happens. It's exciting. Senator, how about yourself? Um, I, I think uh, wherever the Senate president would necessarily need me, I'd be humbled to serve. Um, obviously, you know, housing is, is uh, one of the top, top of my, my list, economic development. Um, obviously, I'm, I have a intricate, uh, I guess, um, love for the industry now that the prohibition is over when it comes to cannabis. Um, outside of that, you know, um, really just um, humble to serve. And if uh, she needs me to be in any of uh, these committees to, to serve uh, the Senate at, at its best, I will. But, you know, obviously everybody wants to be somewhere where they're, they're loved, but being a freshman, obviously there's a little bit of, you know, you got to get your legs under you so you can run. So I'm willing to, to take whatever is offered to me and, and, and be very humble to serve in that, in that capacity. All right. Hey, thanks, folks. We're just out of time here. But thank you to Representative Kilcoin, Senator Gomez, and Chris Van Buskirk. Uh, thanks all for an interesting conversation. And as different as the start of this general court may be, seems like the level of excitement for new lawmakers coming in and ready to get to work is uh, uh, no no less than normal. So uh, thanks very much, folks, and, and best of luck in the 192nd general court. Thank you so much, thank Sam. You. And thank you, Chris, for the very insightful questions as well. Thank you, gentlemen. It is my pleasure. Congratulations, Rep. Uh, I really look forward to working with you. Yes, you as well. Congratulations, Senator. Um, really enjoyed having you on this podcast, sharing this podcast with you, and uh, looking forward to working with you as well. Awesome. Hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate you taking the time. Really do. Statehouse Takeout is a production of the Statehouse News Service. And for a daily fix of Statehouse headlines, visit masterlist.com. Masterlist with two S's. Thanks again for listening. See you next week.